Hello, and thank you for joining us for our Watershed Sermon Podcast. Watershed is a worshiping community within Harderwijk Ministries. We gather at 9.45 a.m. in the Anchor Building on the Harderwijk campus on the corner of 160th and Lakewood in Holland, Michigan. We invite you to join us in person when you are able. To learn more about our Watershed community and Harderwijk Ministries, please visit harderwijk.com. During this Advent season, this uh, kind of Christmas season, right, as we came in, um, Walshmitz kind of helped us understand, Advent is a time where we celebrate Christ who has come and we look forward to Christ who is returning. That God's kingdom has come on this world and it's not yet. We're still waiting. And so in the midst, how do we wait? And, and so it's a season where hopefully, and I say hopefully, there's a wishful way we can be anchored in a biblical hope, which is certainty. We're talking about that today, and, and in this season, we decided to call this, this series The Christmas Story, not A Christmas Story. Now, the beauty is when we talk about hope, I can't shake oh Ralphie and A Christmas Story. Right, we all know the line. It's over 30 times in the movie. I want an official Red Rider carbon action 200 shot range model air rifle. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Santa kicks him down the slide. Yeah, thanks, Santa. <laughs> right? I wish, I want, right? This is a season of dreams. What's that gift you're looking forward to this year? But the thing about most of the time in our lives, in, in, in a whole movie, you know, that, that, that's centered around Ralphie is that it's moving from, it, it, you're living in uncertainty. You don't know. He doesn't know. He certainly doesn't believe he's going to get the re- official Red Rider carbon action air rifle, 200 shot air rifle. Oh, by the way, with the scope and the thing that keeps time. <laughs> right? The whole movie is around not being certain of what would come. And in fact, the only certainty was, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. And if you haven't seen the movie, I'm sorry. But he, you know, almost shoots his eye out. Thankfully, he has glasses on. See, there is a good reason for having glasses. But this is not the biblical story. Right? In and throughout the pages of Scripture, we certainly hear of hope that are dreams, that are desires, that are wish for. And yet, what we're going to hear this morning and what the biblical picture is of hope is that hope is actually certainty. We may not see it yet. We may not experience it. But a biblical hope is a sure and certain hope. So I want to take you this whole series. We're going to journey through Luke 1 and 2 to a story um, in stories that we've maybe heard, if you haven't, hear these for the first time. If you have, close your eyes and hear God's word afresh and new. I've preached these, these scriptures over 20 years, and they're still new and fresh for me. So hopefully, God can breathe some new life into you through this story of not only the birth of Christ, but today, the promise of a prophet to come. Luke, starting in chapter 1, Luke is the third book in the New Testament. So after the Old Testament, we get to Malachi, the last book, and then all of a sudden we get Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's the third gospel of Jesus. We hear this. 
Now, Luke writes, and he says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those whom were first, first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, Luke writes, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Luke's desire, as he's talking and writing to his disciple Theophilus, many believe that Luke was a disciple of the Apostle Paul, follower of God. And Luke is a doctor, would pay attention to details. It's a beautiful thing. Um, but he, what did he say? He's, he says, I want you to, to know what has been fulfilled, right? The reality of things that have happened so that you may be certain. Right? Luke's whole point to writing the book of Luke and then the, the book of Acts is so that we are certain of the things that have happened, the things that have taken place. Hope for us is anchored certainly in something that has come, but the reality is it's a sure and certain hope of things that will be. Luke's saying, in the midst of life, what I want you to be able to walk with, what I want you to be able to, to stand on is what we heard in the Psalms this morning, that Christ is a rock, that our faith is not something built on a wish and a whim, but something that can hold us and sustain us in the midst of life. And we see that in this story. Continue on in verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, so Luke's already placing it in a historical context. Rome was leading the world. There was this, this, this king of the Jews that was sitting on the throne, even though he really wasn't the king of the Jews. But Rome had kind of, he's a patsy for the Romans. Nonetheless, he's there. And Luke sets this in a, in a, in a, in a firm time, a time that we ourselves can look back into history. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. So his wife grew up in a priestly house. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God. Now, this doesn't mean that they were perfect. It means that they fulfilled the law. When they weren't perfect, they, they made sacrifices. They brought offerings. But when it says that they were righteous, it means they were committed to following God, and they did it to the best of their abilities faithfully. They were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But, they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, if we know the Bible story, and if you don't, that's okay, but I hope today that that would echo back to some stories in the Old Testament. See, Luke as a doctor isn't just anchoring the story of Jesus out there. In any, he's anchoring the story of Jesus and of hope in the midst of a bigger story, God's redemption story, God's story of making the world right in the face of sin and brokenness. And here in their story, much like maybe Abraham and Sarah back in Genesis, the father of Israel, Abraham and Sarah, well, were, well, were well past their years. 
didn't think that they could have a child, and yet God would come in and say, but I promise you're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to have a child, and that child will then have children, and those children will be as numerous as the sand on the shore, and it's going to be as numerous as the, the stars in the sky. And throughout the Old Testament, we see God fulfill that promise. But here does Zechariah and Elizabeth, these faithful followers of God, they also are barren. To be barren while they were blameless in the sight of God, while they were righteous in the religious text, to be barren was a disgrace. People saw you pass your years not able to have a child. It was just as bad as the worst sin. You're kind of an untouchable. There's something wrong with you if you can't have a kid. If you can't put your line forward, there's some, man, something's messed up. And yet in our story today, hope is going to come in the midst. Not when life is perfect. Oftentimes hope comes to us when it's not. Psalm 42, we hear this. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Right throughout our lives, I don't know about you, raises that question. What, what pushes those things to your heart and your mind? What puts you into situations where you need hope? Where you say, man, my, I'm downcast. I'm depressed. I don't know what to do. I feel like there's no life. I feel like nothing will ever get better. And yet the gospel in the story for us, in the Christmas story, God says, I'm not leaving you in the dark. While you may feel like it, no, I'm going to come. And the story continues. So once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, so the, understand the priestly role, there were 25 different sects of priests, 24, or I mean 24, sorry, 24 divisions. Um, most scholars believe they were made up of 300. Some would say even up to 1,000. But it, we're talking anywhere from 7,200, 8,000 priests serving in the temple. Um, and, and normally they'd serve about two weeks out of the year. Sometimes that'd be two weeks back to back. Sometimes that would be two weeks at different times. So Zachariah's, it was Zachariah's turn. Figure he was country pastor, okay? He's out in Cedar Lake, Indiana, where I grew up. And now it's time to come to the motherland, Holland, Michigan. <laughs> okay, so for you non-Dutch people, Holland and Grand Rapids. <laughs> we'll leave that there. <laughs> But nonetheless, Zechariah is now, it's his turn, right? It's his division serving on duty. And he was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen now by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Like this is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Now the one whose wife is barren, they can't have children, right? This is a disgrace for not only Elizabeth, but for him, now gets one of the highest honors of a priest to be chosen by lot to go in and offer incense at the altar of God. Right, when the time of burning incense, all the assembled worshipers, they were praying outside, well, guess what? Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. So he goes in, he gets to go in, 
And now there's an angel. I don't know about you. I would have probably run out. <laughs> but Zacharias stays. And when Zacharias saw him, he was startled. He was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Right? Often we know this is God's message for us. God comes and says, do not be afraid. No matter where you're at, no matter what, what's, what's taking place, I, the Lord, am with you. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Now, we don't know completely what the prayer is, but obviously it had, part of it had to do with a kid because it says what? Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you're to call him John. John means the Lord is gracious, right? He's going to be a joy and a delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or fermented drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God. And he'll go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient and the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. An angel comes in the midst of, uh, of his own darkness and in his own life and Elizabeth's situation and circumstance in the midst of a situation where the people of Israel had been living their lives, at least from the last time we heard Malachi, the prophet, speak. Some say it was 400 years. Where, listen, the people of Israel, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, were just trying to live faithfully. They were trusting that God's word was God's word. And that was enough because if God would speak it, it was like God was present with them. But there had been no real prophets. There hadn't been much angelic Moments and here in the midst, an angel comes to Zechariah. I think for us, as I look at this, it's a reminder that God is our hope. It's not a wish and a whim that one day they would have a kid, it's not a wish and a whim that one day God would maybe speak again in a particular way. But no, the Lord appears through, through Gabriel, his messenger, one of his key messengers, and in Gabriel. God would say, guess what? I'm fulfilling a promise. If we go back to Malachi, what, what, what's spoken of is, is a promise and a, pro, a prophetic word that says, hey, there's going to be one who comes like Elijah. And again, he's going to turn hearts of children back to their, their parents and parents to their children. There's going to be this renewal. God's kingdom is going to break in. And, and, and Gabriel says, hey, listen, your son is going to prepare the way for this. God is going to be gracious to his people. The time of the day of the Lord is, is here. It's at hand. If I go back to the Psalm, Psalm 42, and we continue it, it says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And then the, right, the psalmist, David, says, kind of this internal conversation, put your hope where? In God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior, in my God. God shows up and he goes, hey, listen, I, I understand there are a lot of things we want in life. There's a lot of Ralphie moments for us, right, where we want that official Red Rider Carmen Axial 200 blah, 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 BB gun, right? 
We've got a lot of things that we hope for, we dream for. And yet God, in the midst of this Advent season, in every Advent season before us, and, and in the midst of us waiting for a time where he's going to return, is saying and reminding us there is a certainty in our lives. There is a sure thing, and that's in God, and a God who makes promises, and a God who fulfills promises. Because Zechariah, just like for you and Elizabeth, just like for Abraham and Sarah, I keep my word. Sometimes when God shows up, though, we're so used to living in uncertainty. See, I don't know about you, most of my hopes and my dreams come from not a place of certainty, comes from uncertainty. I don't know I'm going to get what I want. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen when. I don't know what will be if. God says in the midst of all of that, I'm going to give you a surety to stand on. I'm going to give you a hope that can sustain you and can hold you. Sometimes that hope messes with us, and it messes with Zechariah. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I've been sent to speak to you and tell you the good news. And now you're going to be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens. Sometimes God gives us the gift of silence. So because he didn't believe my words, we know what's going on in his own hearts is unbelief. Not certainty, it's uncertainty. He didn't believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now meanwhile, right, there were others outside. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. Usually this was short, man. You lit the incense, you got it going, and you got out, you got out of dodge. <laughs> But now he has this encounter with an angel. And so when he came out, he couldn't speak to them. But get this, they realized in his inability to speak, they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. For he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. See, hope challenges us. The certainty of God in Christ, the certainty of God that's held in his promises, the surety we have in him in the midst of life will always challenge our faith. Now, here's the beauty. While Zechariah is disciplined, it's not forever, and there's a point. See, even in his silence, it got the attention of everybody. You think had he come out talking, I saw, so, I saw an angel, the people would believe? No, actually, the fact that he couldn't speak was more of a sign and testimony that he saw something than had he been able to come out. They probably would have just thought he was a whack job. And when the time would come where John would be born, we're going to hear this story in a couple weeks. Guess what? He's, you're going to be able to speak again. But in the silence, in the waiting, what God's desire was wasn't to punish Zechariah, but was to lead him from uncertainty into certainty. To move him from a lack of trust and faith into trust and faith. To leave him from shaky ground, a house built on sand, to a house that's built on a rock. A sure foundation. You better believe it, Charlotte. She's too young to even realize I, I, I did that. 
but hope will challenge us. God wants to move certainty into the neighborhood of our lives. And anytime that certainty wants to break in, it's going to change, it's going to challenge the uncertainties. It's going to change the places that we build our lives on. It's going to change and challenge the wishes and the whims, the official Red Rider BB guns that we think are the most important thing. And when we finally get them, maybe we realized it wasn't. See, it's a gospel message, but a gospel message isn't also afraid to confront us because it's meant to move us into life. And that's where we come at the end of the story for today in verse 23. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. And for five months, she remained in seclusion. She just kind of stepped out of the limelight of life. And the Lord has done this for me, she said. The Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Hope doesn't just challenge us. The hope, the biblical hope, the certainty of God and his promises transforms us. Has the ability to shift and change our disgrace has the ability, as we will see, to, to turn their hearts back to God, right? That was John's message, ultimately, not just to turn their hearts back to God, but to turn their hearts to Jesus, who was himself God, come in the flesh to save us and give us life. Hope can transform us when it says, hey, guess what? Death is not the end of the story. There is life even beyond it. Hope can transform us when it says, guess what? Those regrets and those failures are not the things that identify you in life. My love for you is, and if you step into that love, that love will shape you and remake you. Oh, and by the way, that thing that you continue to struggle with, even till to death's doorstep, God is even good enough to save you from that, even though you didn't get your act together. The hope and certainty we have in God and his work, God and his fulfillment of the prophecy, because that's Advent, right? We look back and we see a God who has fulfilled the law and the prophets, just as we sang King of Kings. We see a God who goes, man, I make good on what I need to make good on, and that is enough for you to build your life on. So let that gospel, that good news, transform you and shape you. Don't build your life on wishes and whims. All right, we're not living a Christmas story. We're talking about the Christmas story. And if we believe that Christ has come, he will come again. That's sure and it's certain. If we believe that God says, I'm going to make everything new, we talked about this last week, then we can trust That he will do what he said he'll do. But don't be surprised if God steps into our lives and graciously shakes some of the foundations occasionally. Challenges the things we put our hope and our trust in. The wishes and the whims. Because his desire for us is to move us to a sure and certain hope, as the writer of Hebrews says, that went behind the curtain that paved the way for us to be 
in the hands of a loving, gracious, forgiving, I'm making new kind of God. I pray that that hope for us throughout this season can get replenished in your life. It can be for the first time, maybe if you've never had it. I pray that certainty in the gospel isn't just the story we'll watch on the Hallmark Channel amidst many others, but becomes the story that gives shape to our lives. Because God not only will be gracious in sending John, God will come down and come to us and he will save us. That's the good news. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you want to move us from shaky things, from wishes and whims to spaces and places of hope. And those spaces and places, God, are built upon you, Jesus, and upon, God, your promises. Help us to trust that hope. Lord, for many of us, we, we do say, why are you so downcast, O oh my soul? There are plenty of moments where we say, our man, God, my heart feels like it's ripped out. Lord, in the midst of that, help us to not, to, to not run away from you, but to run to you as David did and say, I'm going to put my hope in God in the Lord, my Savior, my God. Lord, that's got to be a work of your Spirit in us to have that gospel resolved. So Lord, help us in that. And again, along the way, Lord, help us to see how you have answered, how you have fulfilled your promises, to see again and afresh that you have come into this world, to re be reminded that when you come again, Lord, all things will be made new. And in the in-between time, Lord, that we will be able to have glimpses, to have Gabriel-type moments where we can be assured that, God, man, you're keeping your word. And we're never too far away. We're never outside of your grasp and your grip. So again, Lord, renew us, strengthen us, in the sure and certain hope of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn how to get involved in our watershed community or how to support Harderwijk Ministries, please visit us at harderwijk.com.